0: It, yeah that's true that is true like yeah. mercy, like we have the heartless mentality you know you just want to survive yes yeah you just want to yeah. survive <laughs> we're not supposed to be thinking about race or mental health or those things we don't talk mental about mental health it. for who
1: hello everybody and welcome to b squared c a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world I'm your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. This week in my guest chair, I had Emma Quenu-Smith, who is one of my favorite people in the world. Emma is Ghanaian, but she's currently living in the US, having moved there just over two years ago to pursue her MBA, which she got in my alma mater, by the way, University of Michigan, go blue to all the Wolverines out there. Amongst other things, we talked about Emma's, um, experiences moving to America, being a black immigrant in America, especially in the last few months. And we also talked quite a bit about her approach to her career, which she does in a very introspective way that I admire so much. You see, Emma follows her impact where she chooses roles and opportunities that allow her to explore different angles and different ways in which all of the sectors she has been in can contribute to solving the same social economic problems. Emma and I are friends who talk to each other regularly, but I learned so much more about her in this interview than I knew already, and it made me appreciate her more and be thankful to have her in my circle. Have a listen to Emma's story.
0: Emma, hi. (laughs) Hi, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to B squared C. Thank you. Thank you. But wait, before we, before we go, on, I also want to just really acknowledge what you're doing. Oh, I think okay. that it's, yeah, I think it's important uh, to have spaces where, where women's voices, especially black women where have voices can be heard and we don't have to have like a high status in a company or anything. Mm-hmm. Just by virtue of our, our identity, we have a voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's important to have spaces like this where our voices will be heard. So thank you for also doing this and thank you for having me.
1: Ah, and thank you for agreeing to come onto the pod and share your story with um B great C listeners today.
0: Okay, I'm excited.
1: Okay, before we get too far, I would like I would like you to actually introduce yourself with like three pivotal or significant experiences from your story that um really are like this is emma
0: oh yeah definitely i can just jump straight into it um so first thing is that my identity as a first generation college student and grad student is really pivotal to who i am right okay so Growing up, my parents, they didn't go to college, they never mm-hmm. did, um, but they were very particular about me having access to fairly good education, and mm-hmm. they devoted a lot of time to make this happen. So, I remember when I was very young, my mom was very particular about my English. Mm-hmm. God, she was on me all the time, you know. And this and- is growing
1: up in Ghana.
0: Oh, yes, growing up in Ghana. So, Hi. yes, growing up in Ghana, uh, my mom did that, and then my dad was also very particular about me building up my math skills. So, my dad often told me that, hey, Emma, the foundation is everything, you know, when you're able to make sure that the foundation is good, building up on it is never an issue. And so that was the same mentality that they applied to my education. Right. And so, yeah, when I do look back at all the experiences that I have had in Ghana, being in the U.S., I realized that I've always had this incremental exposure mm-hmm. that wouldn't have been possible if the foundation hadn't happened. Right. Yeah, so I recently graduated from the University of Michigan, um, the business school, Ross School yeah. of Business. Go blue, go blue. Go blue, go blue. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy, for hooking me up.
1: Yes, I got you. See
0: <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, when I look back at even this journey of just graduating, you know, from such top 10 business schools, I just look all the way back that when I was young, Mm-hmm. My family, my parents invested a lot in me and, and it means a lot And so when I think about impact And when I think about legacy I think I also want to be this person to other people mm-hmm. um, I can't be exactly the same person But how can I also create spaces in education And human capital development Where people can be the best version of themselves And where people can also get exposure Right To right. help them pursue, yeah, pursue the best opportunity So that's number one But the second <laughs> part <laughs> Is that I'm passionate about social impact, but also impact is broad. But when you narrow it down, for me, I'm more particular about education and and human capital development because Mm -hmm. of my background. And so I am a serial volunteer. Mm -hmm. I've I've volunteered (laughs) for more than 30 organizations since I was a teenager. And at a point, I also started my own nonprofit in Mm -hmm. EdTech, where we developed this platform so that people can donate books to, to kids in shelters. And, and it all ties into my identity and it's really shaped my career choices significantly. Mm-hmm. And, and also my ambition, it's really core to who I am. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I love that.
0: And, Yeah, let's see. So there's the third part of it too, is that I'm, I think I'm very driven by my core values. So okay, I always look at my core values in two folds. Like the first one is being authentic and being true to yourself. Um, and the second one is just having respect and compassion for other people. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. With respect to being authentic and true to yourself, like I have always chosen unpopular popular parts, especially in business school. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, I remember I felt the pressure the most because I had a lot of friends who were going to all these huge companies to do their internship, like right. Amazon and Microsoft. And then I decided to take the path less traveled mm-hmm. and go right. to... This tier three city in India, I work with an unknown early stage startup wow. that was focusing on how to um, develop entrepreneurs in the region. And I realized that I just wanted to be true to myself. There's a lot of pressure, especially business schools to, to kind of go the route where so everybody's going right and especially if you're an international student too exactly Nancy yeah. exactly it's it actually I had people sit me down to say hey you just got here think about doing your internship for for a big company so I can get a full-time offer and mm-hmm. that's it's that's it's it's a legitimate um, it's a legitimate and um legit, yeah.
1: kind of w- way of managing risk you know
0: exactly so with yeah. all that is going on in, in the immigration um system right now so it is but then i also realized that you know what i have to be true to myself mm-hmm. and i have to at least i owe it to myself to at least try something that i like and if it doesn't work out i would deal with the consequences of it
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so
0: and and i have dealt with the consequences of, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of it so that's one part of it and i think the second part is just being very respectful and being very compassionate
1: mm-hmm. it's,
0: it's hard being here you know of course it's hard being human Mm-hmm, and so I think mm-hmm. the least we can do is to just be compassionate to others and also be compassionate to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I think these three things, but I think these three things are really key to, to who I am as a person today.
1: I love them. I, I love that you shared this much with us already. Let's, let's get a little more into your experiences. So this is your first time. The last few years have been your first time in America as well. Right. When you moved to come to business school. That is true part of what I've been doing this whole season is asking people, checking in with them about how they felt the last
0: few months being black in America. Uh, what has that been like for you? For context, I moved from Ghana to the U S exactly, I think two years and one month ago. Yep. I'm um, just for business school. So very, very unfamiliar with this. I haven't even been here before, you know, and I've been in Ghana my entire life. And so I come here, go through go through um, the business school, education. And also, to be fair, was a bit of a bubble. And right. then this mm-hmm. year, this year is just a spillover. So many things are happening, especially with regards to being Black. And honestly, I think, first of all, it's been a huge learning experience for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's been a huge learning experience for me. Coming, coming from Africa or coming from Ghana, we we don't have any conversations around racism. Right. Sure, we do have the sister, which is colonialism and Mm -hmm. then neocolonialism and then colorism that we Mm -hmm. have to deal with. But issues around race never came up because we all just look the same. Right, right. Right. And so you come here and then you realize that, you know what? I am not this. I'm not used to having my blackness being a big part of my identity, right? But then, in the wake of everything that's happening, if the police stop you on the street, they're not going to ask, Hey, Emma, are you African? African? Are you Afro Portuguese? Are you Afro German? All they see is the black, right? So, this, yeah, so this has become my reality right now, right? Mm -hmm. And a big part of it too is that because this has become my reality, I also have the responsibility of empathizing and trying to understand the experiences of those who have lived here their entire lives, being Black, who have the history that they have and have had to navigate what it means to be Black in in a lot of different spaces. Right. And I think that being in school naturally lends itself to this because you do meet Black American students, you do meet other people of color, and you have these kind of conversations. And so you tend to empathize and you tend to identify with what it means to be Black. Mm -hmm. The other side of this too is that i spent some time this year with uh my uncle and his family in virginia right but it's also a very interesting experience that shaped me in the sense that within the virginia dc maryland area, anybody who, who is very familiar with the dmv area they have huge mm-hmm. african populations right yes um, especially those who are immigrants who came directly from from part of africa and in interacting with people and then in just observing what's happening, you realize that sometimes we tend to live in a bubble. So right. some of the experiences I had, like we are in the U.S., but then it's almost as if we are living in Ghana and we are in this bubble, just that geographically we are in the U.S. Right. And right. this bubble means that we don't empathize with what it means to be Black. Hmm. Two, we have been very conditioned by all the stuff that the media has been throwing at us from back home. Right. And three, we have not fully explored the spaces where it means to share black experiences. Right. And so you meet people who are living here for a while, but then either they do not care or they still have very myopic views about what it means to be black. Right. But when the police stop you, they are not going to Ask, hey, are you from Ghana? Are you from they don't they don't care about it? No, no, you just <laughs> came to be black. you just going to be it. black. That's right. it. It's just the skin, the skin color that they see. So there's really an opportunity for us to kind of work across these these divides, you know, and then and then try to empathize with what it means to, to be in a climate like this. Right. Yeah. But aside that, I also think that a huge function of all of this is that like at least based on my experiences being in Ghana, it was always survival mode, you know. -hmm. Gotta just work, Mm -hmm. make money, feed your family. Gotta just work, make money, feed your family. So it kind of numbs you to all these other issues that are happening, especially when it comes to identity. One, even though you're black, you don't connect with it. And two, you are just in that survival mode. So there's a lot of people just saying that, you know what, just do your work. Don't think about navigating race at the workplace. Do your work, get paid, come and take care of your family. Do your work, get paid, come and take care of your family. Right, right. Because the problems you're
1: navigating there are very different, right?
0: Exactly. More like
1: social economic.
0: Yeah, that's true. That is true. Like yeah. Nancy, like I don't, we have the hustlers mentality. You know, just want to survive. Yes. Yeah. You just want to yeah. survive. We're <laughs> not supposed to be thinking about race or mental health or those things. We don't talk mental about mental health for who? Well, thank you, Nancy. You just want. You just want to get food. You know, just want to survive. Just want to hustle and survive. So, I mean, there are a lot of factors around why some immigrant populations haven't come around to the issues of 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 racism and of being very active or being very mm-hmm. vocal when it comes to these issues. I think there's an opportunity for us to also find experiences where we can share what it means to be black, right. whether you're African or whether you're African American and then find a way to work collectively to kind of deal with these injustices that we see in the society.
1: Right. Right. And I also like what you mentioned earlier, right? You talked about empathy because empathy is really the bridge for us to understand each other's experiences right even if you're not fully um in them or you don't fully identify with them that's literally the biggest bridge we can cultivate exactly. so um, it's exactly. such an interesting phenomenon wow so you've had an event for a couple of uh of months
0: <laughs> i know that was a lot of learning and relearning to be done, honestly. And, and I'm very, I'm not there yet. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody's fully there yet, especially when they are an immigrant like myself. But
1: yeah,
0: I think that there's a lot of opportunity to also just tap into what's happening and use that to learn, you know?
1: Yeah, and yeah. And change the
0: way you think, yeah. That's
1: great. Okay, okay. So let's go into your career, actually. So you're passionate about education and technology. Let's talk about your experiences thus far in this um, in this area
0: yeah okay definitely I am passionate about education and technology but not because they are end within themselves you know I think the goal is that we want to attain some level of social economic development
1: okay okay I mean
0: it's not enough to be educated right like if you're educated it has to reflect in 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 the kind of status that you have in the exposure that you have in the kind you know it has to that there has to be something that shows for it. Okay. And so okay. Yeah, it's not just education itself, but it's it's where it leads to. And so when I think through my experiences, I think being in I I was part of this group called Sponsorship for Education Opportunity. It's called SEO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard about them, but they find a way to bridge the gap between academics and then world of work. So when people are transitioning from college into work, they kind of prep them for it. So I was very fortunate to be part of that um, organization when I was in Ghana. Yes, yes when I was in mm-hmm. Ghana, right after college. So I was very fortunate to be part of that um, experience. And then it really, it really spoke to the impact of how nonprofits can have some work to do in the space where, where government is inadequate. Cause government right. doesn't care about your transition from from college into, the right <laughs> they, they, and they I mean, should
1: care but uh, it's not, not on the agenda
0: exactly there are so many things for government to do so it, it really opened my eyes to how nonprofits can work in the space and so because of that i also consciously started taking up um, different roles aside my everyday work mm-hmm. where i can contribute to this space so for three years before coming to business school i also taught at um a local educational institute i was okay. teaching young girls um it was basically, around literacy, and you could see the impact of some of the lessons that, that we made, that we, we talked about, or some of the impact of, of the things we discussed on the way they also look at the world, on the way they think about their future. Right. And it really made it really resonated with me so much that when I thought about coming to business school, I was like, I need to, I want to work in this space. Mm-hmm. I want to work in this space. Um, and so, those two were very pivotal to how I thought about my career. And then when I come to business school as well, pursuing that opportunity that I talked about, right. um, working with a startup in India, it also opened my eyes to the space of how we can all work together for impact. Mm-hmm. I think more recently, um, I've realized that there isn't one, a, a silver bullet or a one approach to dealing with developmental issues and dealing with education and dealing with human capital development. Right. And, there's a space for each of us to, to, to be in. So non-profits are not the only solution. Government right. is not the only solution. There's mm-hmm. a place for civic society. There's a place for private companies. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: when, when private businesses enter into markets like Ghana or like Zimbabwe, when they enter into market like that, they employ people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They taxes. You know, so there's a lot for us to do in this space to be able to contribute to development. So, I have shifted my focus from a nonprofit angle to businesses a bit to try to see how businesses also play a crucial role when it comes to impact, especially mm-hmm. in emerging economy, since I'm from Ghana.
1: Right, 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 right. So that's how you landed uh, in the current role that you're in now for just a few weeks exactly. at Facebook. <laughs> Congratulations, by the way.
0: Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Really appreciate it. It's, it's, you know that trying to get a job has been such a roller coaster you know i
1: know i know it's uh it's been that kind of um pressure for you but let's talk about how you got to this job actually
0: oh yeah definitely so i have talked a lot about impact and i've talked a lot about some of my working non-profit but i haven't talked about what i used to actually do what is on my resume as well you know yeah my day to day so I mean, after college in Ghana, um, I started working at Airtel Ghana.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it's a mobile network operator, and I worked a lot with our distributors. We were selling um, call cards, and then we're selling devices so people can stay connected. Mm-hmm. Did that for a bit, um, realized I had reached the end of my learning curve, and so I transitioned into marketing and advertising. I wanted okay. the opportunity uh, to work in like a more fast-paced environment and work on different projects at a time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I worked with them for a bit. I got to work in the Ghana office and then a bit in the Liberia office.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: especially in Liberia, like you really got to see the impact of what having the internet can do to people, you know? Right. Because Liberia has had a very tumultuous past. Yes. Civil wars, an Ebola outbreak.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: people fled the country when all this was happening. You know, the whole right. Charles Taylor story, it, it's a lot.
1: Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So families
0: were disconnected, you know, people didn't know where their family members were. And then now they have access to internet and now they are going on apps like Facebook. And you realize that you start chatting with someone who has your last name. And then you're talking like, oh, actually, we are actually related. Right. Your family left during the war and all that. So you get to hear a lot of these stories on the ground and they are so refreshing and they they speak to the impact that technology can have. Right. Indeed. And so, yeah. So this is like my collective experience. And then this role at Facebook comes up. I see a friend of mine did her internship at Facebook. Tia, I'm giving you a shout out, Tia. I love you. You're amazing.
1: (laughs) Shout out to Tia. Shout out to Tia. (laughs) Shout out to friends putting on friends.
0: Exactly, exactly. You know, I think that it's important to have a community that really understands you and a community that looks out for you.
1: Right, When right.
0: times get tough, they hold you down.
1: Right, indeed, indeed. I love that. Shout out to you, Tia, for sure. Shout out to,
0: Tia, shout out to you. Black women supporting each other.
1: Hey, that's what's up. Okay, so back to your story.
0: <laughs> yes, so Tia does it. Tia did an internship at Facebook, and then this role pops up, and then Tia sends it to me like, hey, Emma, are you interested? kind of looks like something that aligns with your background. And Nancy, I look at the role, and every bullet point of the job description match something in my resume it was such a fantastic fit i was like oh my god i have to be smart about this mm-hmm. and so i reach out to um the person who posted a job we have a good conversation go through the interview process and then i learned the show but everybody was fantastic along the way i had a fantastic conversation with people who also cared about emerging markets cared right. about economic care about socioeconomic impact care about education and then care generally about connectivity because when people are connected to the internet then they have information and now information is a basic human need right indeed indeed exactly so this is long story short of how I landed in the room but it's been it's been fantastic so far
1: you like it so far I'm so happy for you I'm so happy for you. So what is, that, uh, what is the long-term outlook um, for you? Where do you want to go in your career?
0: Like I mentioned earlier, I think there are a lot of spaces um, or there are a lot of sectors that can contribute to impact.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The private sector, there's the government, the development agencies, uh, and then there's the civic society as well, right? right. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've had some exposure in nonprofits, Um that's all you can call the development agencies. Um, I am in business now. I really want to understand the industry. I want to understand how we work with telecoms on the ground. So that's what my my role is about. Like collaborating with these MNOs like MTN and Airtel in emerging markets like sub-Saharan Africa or Latin America or Asian Pacific to see, okay, how best can we build infrastructure just so everyone is connected to the internet.
1: Right. Right. And
0: while we are doing this, we are paying taxes. While we are doing this, we are employing people, and then we are also elevating people's social economic status. So I want to be in the industry for a while, mm-hmm. try to see how the interplay of tech and then of, of business as a whole can contribute to impact. Right, and mm-hmm. then from there. Maybe I'll move to, I'm thinking of maybe the World Bank. You move to an intergovernmental agency. Okay. okay. To also see, you know, to also get a feel of how that also plays out mm-hmm. when you're thinking about impact, especially in emerging economies. And then maybe finally I'll end up in higher education. I don't know. I'm just, who knows what the future is, but end up in higher education, Um, hopefully teaching something about working in emerging economies. So it, it yeah. all, you see, it all ties out in, you know, it comes together
1: at some point. I love your answer because it's very, it's very honest, but keeping your, your North star in mind, right?
0: Exactly. Like, this the
1: area I'm passionate about, but to understand that there are many ways to get there. Together, yeah. Um, is, is the goal. So thank thank you for sharing that. You know. it's actually yeah it's 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 pretty honest so in the experience of like moving to America that we just talked about a while ago that must have been very challenging for you
0: oh Nancy it was it was such a roller coaster it was it was it was it was hard I'm not gonna lie about it it was Mm -hmm. very hard I think that back at home when you want to come to school i mean the biggest thing you think about is how am i going to pay for tuition it's just the money you know you don't think about all the softer sides of it that i'm transitioning from one culture to another i'm leaving my community here i'm going into a new community i have to adjust to a new education system like it's back to that survival mode right like how do i pay the fees and when i get there i figure it out Mm
1: -hmm, mm
0: -hmm, and so I had that same uh, mindset when I got here, but then when I got here, I mean, the culture shock just threw me off. Like I'm talking to people and people don't understand me, and I'm mm-hmm. like, but why? I speak good English. <laughs> you know, like why don't you understand me? And it's it's it, it, I, I never I've never thought this would happen. Sometimes mm-hmm. I have projects. So su- people, subtle things like that. Very subtle things like that that you almost never think about. You know, you have right. you have. A group work with people and then you use British English and then after that people go look through the document and change all your British English American English like little things like that even adjusting to the the, the teaching the style of teaching you know
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: asking you questions on the spot especially you to think on your feet and so it was very different but I think a huge part of it was also dealing with the imposter syndrome that comes with it you know right right because mm-hmm. the business school environment like as as you know i mean it's it's very it can be very competitive and very intense right yeah and then when you find yourself here coupled with all the other things that you're going through culturally you keep asking yourself do like am i in the right place right right you know, do i deserve to be here like mm-hmm. what am i been doing here
1: yeah 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 that's um that's really tough how did you manage
0: I think I had this one moment where I realized that you know what this thing is crippling me so this thing I have to find a, a healthy way of dealing with it and so I I mean I read a couple of articles I think the first part of it is just being self-aware like mm-hmm. why is this feeling coming now you know and I think for right. me it was just yeah it was being in a new space being in a new academic program so I I like just being self-aware of the triggers of this thing and then also just talking about it you know
1: Mm-hmm, just talking
0: mm-hmm. just talking about it. And you'll be so you found that. people
1: to talk to about it?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, as I'm sure you probably know, like, a lot of people do struggle with that. Right. Usually, yeah, so they you realize they,
1: that you're not alone.
0: You are definitely not alone. And you just need to just be vulnerable and just open up to people. Because mm-hmm. vulnerability breeds trust, you know, and once there's trust, people are more open to also helping you deal with, with your issues. So just talking about it and I think another part of it too was just realizing that there was a learning opportunity that came with it as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So, that for me, I just look at it as okay, so I'm not doing well in this class because I'm doubting myself. I'm like, okay, this is a learning opportunity for me to learn how to undo these feelings or manage these feelings. Right. And then just get, get on to what you have to, to get on to. And so, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's what it is. There's a lot of research that talks about how imposter syndrome never disappears but then it mm-hmm. comes in like ebbs and flows right um, and then we live with it till we die i don't know how true that is but i think that at the core of it just being aware of it is key and mm-hmm. recognizing those moments when it appears and then knowing how to manage yourself in those moments as well
1: Right. Right. Good. And you got, you triggered me on something else. So I guess the core of imposter syndrome, the whole experience, is about belonging, right? Mm. It's like really walking into spaces and feeling like you belong. And obviously it's a hot topic in the last few months, uh, but also in the corporate world. Um, I know you haven't had that much time yet. How do you see that playing out? What do People need to do to foster belonging.
0: For me, honestly, I haven't found imposter syndrome to show up at work yet. Also, because you know, like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm new at this role. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I can say has truly helped, at least with dealing with it before it comes, preemptively, is that I have an amazing manager, and right from the bat, she she told me, Hey, Emma. You're working at Facebook. You're working with a group of people who are incredibly smart, have gone to the best schools, like they do amazing stuff, and so those feelings, they are bound to come. They are bound to come up, and she talked to me about her experiences as well, and she she shared a couple of resources with me internally that hey, if these feelings come up, these are some of the ways that you can deal with it, and I think that yeah, and I think that the the HR uh, folks have also done a fantastic job at. Having sessions around belonging, around imposter syndrome, around who to talk to about it. We've had these conversations ahead of time that um, I think I have resources mm-hmm. to kind of deal with these emotions when they do come up. And I know they are going to come up. I'm actually kind of waiting for them to pop up and then mm-hmm. try to squash them, you know. Before you but, can take <laughs> Yeah, them. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so if I'm hearing you correct, uh, I think having uh, supportive managers or who, managers who actually understand and are empathetic uh, is one thing that can really help with belonging. And another is having the spaces exactly. um, and resources ready for, to help people combat, you know, um, when they feel negatively in some ways.
0: That's true.
1: That's good. That's, That's good. Emma. What is your hype up song? Oh, <laughs> so
0: Imagine Dragons,
1: Believer. Okay, but why that song, though, specifically?
0: Oh, one, Imagine Dragons, absolutely fantastic. I'm obsessed with them, no shame here. Okay, okay. Secondly, I mean, their so- songs revolve around these themes of how people, um, you know, you're going out. people keep pushing down your dreams, like, and then you have to hustle. And then you realize that, you know, all those negative moments, they're actually yeah. motivation. Right. So, yeah. So the key line of, of, of the song I just talked about says, pain, you made me a believer, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's very heavy and it's very weighty. Like, yeah. what can you learn from pain? Very deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can, mm-hmm. it can make you a believer in yourself. Right. So, right. It sounds a bit corny, but, but I, I like it. No, I love
1: it. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Emma, if you would describe yourself in three words, what would those words be?
0: Okay, I would go with curious. Mm-hmm. Empathetic. Empathetic. Maybe teachable. You know, I'll go with teachable. Teachable. Actually, I agree with these words about you. Yeah, yeah, I
1: agree okay. with that. I think they're they're pretty close to to who I know you to be, um, mm-hmm. as well. Okay, that's <laughs> great. Well, to close us off, Emma, what two pieces of advice would you like to leave other women of color, um, out there in the corporate world?
0: Well, I think the first one is just around being bold. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a conversation with, with someone in the last two weeks that. And she talked about how when we are young, you have all these dreams and you don't think about constraints. Mm -hmm. But the minute as you start going old and as you start living, I mean, this is a function of life. You start thinking about resource constraints and you start limiting yourself.
1: Yeah. And your experiences also.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that Nancy, if you have a big dream and you're going to tell your friends or you're going to tell your family, people are going to find ways to limit you already. Why should you do that for yourself? Mm-hmm. So yeah. be bold, yeah. So when you think about yourself, be bold, have these big dreams, you know, and then channel your inner child to see if you can make you can make them happen. People always talk about limitations. People mm-hmm. always talk about them, but try to figure out ways to work around them. Mm. That's not to say limitations don't exist. I mean they do, they yeah. do. money's an issue all the time. Yeah. Money. I would just like money right now. I know. You would solve
1: for half of my dreams. Thank you very much.
0: Like you just go to an early retirement, you know. <laughs> it, you know, but legit, like money is an issue, resources are an issue, but just don't don't limit yourself, you know. Right. Dream big, be bold, and then do it. And then the second part is be true to yourself. You treat yourself. Nobody would fight for you the way you would fight for you. Mm-hmm. Nobody would care for you the way you would care for you. So always think about your interest. Always think about being kind to yourself. Always think about being compassionate to yourself. Always think about being very genuine to who you are. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, honestly, nobody's gonna live life for you. You know, it's just no. you. It's gonna be you. Oh, yeah, it's always gonna be you. Thank you for those
1: beautiful thoughts. Thank you. Yeah. Emma, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for making the time. I am immensely proud of you and everything that you have been through and, and, you know, um, overcome and continue to, you know, as you, as you forge your path and I am inspired by you (laughs) and how you're so passionate and you're bold in taking paths that are like, not chatted, and that's what we need to
0: do right yeah thank you so much thank you for having me um but i i really appreciate you having me here i appreciate our friendship you have been an amazing friend you've you've held me down more times than than i could ever count and i'm excited about everything that you're doing and i hope that we will see each other at the top
1: yes absolutely (laughs) thank you so much for listening to emma's story i hope you are as inspired by her as i am i would love to hear your thoughts on this episode on all the things emma and i talked about um please come over to the b squared c instagram and linkedin page and leave your comments or just dm me And wherever you listen to this podcast from, don't forget to give us five stars and share, share with your friends and family. Next week, I'll be reflecting on a theme or two from the conversation with Emma. Until then, I am your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered and stay inspired.